Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, and this is a show where we talk about Bitcoin, the economy, how Bitcoin affects the economy, how Bitcoin affects money, just in general, though, Bitcoin. Now, I do want to say I um, uh, feel for everybody, and we're praying for everybody in Florida for the hurricane disaster and hoping that all turns out uh, okay for everybody as fast as possible. But that got me thinking about money that the government was spending because we will and rightfully so come in and spend a lot of money on establishing protocols to help people, to save uh, lives, to build back from the disaster, and it'll be a lot of money. Just as in Ukraine, I saw a stat where I believe it said we'd spent $80 billion on Ukraine. That's a lot of money. So the United States spends a lot of money. Some great, some maybe good, sometimes bad, but we do spend a lot of money. We actually spend more money than we have. I saw an interesting stat this morning on our debt, on the U.S. debt. Uh, I'll share that with you real quick. The U.S. debt right now is about to pass $31 trillion for the first time. That's $31 trillion. That's a lot of money. That's so much money that I don't think I even understand how much money that is, uh, much less most people don't probably. But that breaks down. The breakdown does make it a little bit more of how much each person that lives in the United States owns. Uh, actually, the part of the debt per person in the United States is $92,000. So that meant if you take everyone, and I think there's around 330 million people or something in the U.S., that's $92,000 per person or per taxpayer, $245,000. That even brings it a little bit more to home, $245,000. So needless to say, that's causing inflation to run away, which in turn should cause, to get back to Bitcoin, should cause Bitcoin, since it has, uh, can't be mass produced like money can, should cause Bitcoin to rise. Just my thoughts on what'll happen to Bitcoin with this much money being printed. Now today we have Jeff, Jeff Booth, author of the book, The Price of Tomorrow, joining us. And Jeff talks about inflation and deflation, and we're gonna go over some of these things with Jeff. But I thought this uh, debt report of 31 trillion was perfect timing coming out today when we interviewed Jeff. So we'll be right back with Jeff after this word from our sponsors. Please stay tuned. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. As I said earlier, I'm your host, Gary Leland, and I enjoy talking about Bitcoin. That's why I do this show. So I can have an opportunity to talk about Bitcoin, help you learn a little bit about Bitcoin, and I can talk to friends of mine who are in the Bitcoin world. Like today, I have a friend of mine, Jeff Booth, for with, wrote the book, The Price of Tomorrow. Great book, one of the better books I've read. Jeff, thanks for joining us on today's show. And also I wanna make sure I told you, thank you for joining us at BitBlock Boom this year. I don't know if I actually told you that, uh, that in uh, so many words, but I do appreciate you. You were well received, of course. 
Uh, it was awesome. And uh, thanks for having me again on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, you heard probably, um, oh, wait a second, I'm getting ready to jump the boat there. I'm getting ready to jump the boat there. First of all, before we go any further, give any, everyone a little bit of a bio about uh, who is Jeff Booth, for those who may not be familiar with you. I, a technology entrepreneur, um, that's that kind of all my life been an entrepreneur building technology companies or being on boards of different technology companies. And that led me to, to an insight that technology was deflationary. It was moving at an uh, increasing uh, exponential rate, um, which was incongruent, incompatible with the existing system that we lived in that required inflation. So, so I wrote a book um, in, I guess it uh, came out in early 2020 that, described what would happen as we accelerated along those two different systems. Um, one trying to give us more um, through technology to save our time and one try stealing our time that we had to, to, to protect the existing system we lived in. Um, and so that book has been prescient in, in describing all of the events and it's, and I, and uh, that we see today. And it's, it, it's, it is because, because they're two different systems. So, uh, so today, uh, and now today I spend time investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because, because where that's moving provides, uh, provides just an incredible place for the world to move to. So I'd spend most of my time, uh, investing in entrepreneurs building on top of the eco uh, uh, ecosystem. So how did, how did you personally, uh, find out about Bitcoin? Or uh, what's your orange pill moment, I guess? Um, for me, it was, um, so I had, I had owned Bitcoin in a small capacity before the, uh, before writing the book, just because I was interested in it. And I saw, and, and as I wrote the book, I, and, and realized, uh, the, the incompatibility of the two systems i started to wonder what would this what would a system do what would the existing system do to try to protect itself from from a natural cause of a natural technology moving trying to give us more for less and you, you could see out of that that the system would try to protect the system at all costs not bad people but trying to protect a system that they'd always known for uh for all costs and and so as I went through that, I got, I got, I, I think at the, even when I wrote the book, I was, I, there's only one paragraph about Bitcoin. Um, and I was open to other solutions, but, but as I got deeper and deeper into Bitcoin, I realized there were no other solutions. There were no other reasonable solutions to transition the world from a system that we lived in to another system. And so I got very deep on Bitcoin, but I wanted to, uh, uh, um, and so that probably happened in, as in Bitcoin originally in 2017, but I really, really got to the bottom of the rabbit hole in 2020, I would say. Well, Bitcoin is definitely changing a lot of things for our will change. It is changing and will change a lot of things um, for everybody in the world, I believe. But in your thought patterns, um, this is something I ask everybody, what is Bitcoin? Uh, it, it, it's an open, open monetary network, open, decentralized and secure monetary network that, that, um, at the base layer, um, 
that takes humans out of the loop and control of money. And it's the first time uh, that society has ever had decentralization and security together. All throughout previous history, we had to put an agent of control, an institution, um, and protect our individual rights and freedoms with, if it was a Magna Carta or Bill of Rights or or Constitution. Um, And these freedoms allowed countries that adopted those freedoms there was a more of a free market force and the more free market force drove really vibrant economies. But that, that because we needed to trust, um, because we organized around trust, it, what ends up happening over time is the, the trust in the institution is a trust in people and it's abuse of the trust. And so if you look throughout history, money is superordinate than uh, money is more important than laws because laws are changed in service of money. And if it didn't look like that, you would look around the world the world, and you'd see where, where money was the most broken, you'd see the best laws. And it's exactly in the inverse. And so that tells you that, that humans have an ability to change laws in control of money and, and so follow the money. Bitcoin is the first time that we could ever take that control out of humans and put it in decentralization and security together. And it changes the base layer of all uh, all of the other emergent actions that come out of uh, come coming out out of that behavior. And those emergent actions are how we organize society. So it's a really really big deal that society has never seen before. Meaning many of our models or what we think society needs to look like will will look totally different in the future on on the back of Bitcoin. So. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a big believer in Bitcoin personally. That's why I push the show. I bring people on you here to explain Bitcoin and go into how Bitcoin can help the world because I believe it's going to change the world. And I think the fact which you brought up that Bitcoin is decentralized, there's no one in control of Bitcoin and no one to change the parameters or the laws or the how Bitcoin works like they do with money. There's no one to say, hey, we're going to print this much of it or make this much of it and change it later to fit the needs when they can't do what they want with that much money. I think that's really a heavy part of what makes Bitcoin so interesting and so appealing to so many people. Um, thoughts? Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's decentralized and secure, and that's the base layer. And, that's, and that decentralization and security also meant on layer one, it sacrificed scalability. So, it, it, so, so the way a blockchain works is you on a, on a blockchain trilemma, decentralization, security, and scalability, and you can only choose two, three, two of three of those parameters. So, by solving decentralization and security for the first time in history, um, there was obviously a a co- competing a whole bunch of other blockchains that couldn't compete with decentralization security. Uh, so they tried to solve scalability. And by doing so, they, they ne- ne- by necessity, they have to sacrifice either security or, 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 or decentralization. And so what you see with all of the other blockchains trying to create this, a similar type of event is, is that move. And they all become centralized or less secure um, as they scale. So now coming back to Bitcoin, that decentralization security together, 
what it allows you to do is build on top of that layer through lightning um, and, and, and liquid and a whole bunch of other layer two protocols that allows the scalability to come on the second and third layer without sacrificing the core layer. And that, and we're early in that transition. And, but, but what's happening is, is you have a network effect growing on Bitcoin, more and more adoption as a, as, as a pristine store of value, neutral reserve currency um, that can't be changed. And then on top of that, you have an entire peer-to-peer internet being built on top of that secure layer. Um, that's the foundation is rock solid and and that has another network effect on that's growing extraordinarily fast that people most people are missing how 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 much is going to move to this and how their lives are going to change similarly to how they would have missed tcp ip was developed by darpa in the 60s and it wasn't until 1989 that https or http on the by tim berners lee um, came in on the four possible on top of that technology stack. Well, Tim, That's what's happening in Bitcoin today. Jeff, we're going to be right back with that. Let's finish that up right on the other side of this commercial, Jeff. We'll be right back. And welcome back. To the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Today we're joined by Jeff Booth. Jeff, well, now let's give us a recap of where we were before that for people who might came in during this commercial break because that was pretty interesting. I hated to cut you off there. We had a hard cut, um, but let's let's continue that conversation if we can. Yeah, no, just yeah, and I think just decentralization and security is really important, and it's the first time society's ever seen decentralization and security together that cannot be changed. Um, but scalability to be able to build on top of that was lacking for a long time in Bitcoin. So, so, the, so, so people built on other protocols that must, that needed to be centralized. And then, so you have to ask yourself, if you build DeFi on top of a centralized, pro, de- decentralized finance on top of a centralized protocol, is it decentralized uh, finance? And so the whole, the whole space there's just a lot of confusion in the space at the same time as now on the second layer and third layer bitcoin is evolved is is developed scalability on the second layer second third layer without sacrificing the first layer so you have these network effects more and more adoption building all of these use cases on top of bitcoin that's accelerating and accelerating and it literally changes the world but people won't see it many people will miss it just like people miss the internet. So, yeah, a lot of people did miss the internet and some people got in early. Um, a, lot, a lot of people didn't get into the internet until they got a phone <laughs> and then they were forced onto the internet. Right. But uh, if it wasn't for the phone, I'm curious how many people might still not be on the internet and still would be missing the internet. But uh, that's a good point. You know, something we were talking about though before the show I want to move on to, which I almost jumped to, <laughs> to begin with, because I just saw this on the news this morning and I, I knew these stats were close, but I, it just dawned on me again when I saw it this morning. And I'm gonna have to look down. The United States debt, we were talking about this before the show, and I want to get into this, was 31 trillion, or getting ready to hit $31 trillion for the first time. That's 31 trillion. I can't even fathom how much money 
31 trillion dollars is okay so I mean I can't even fathom that and I think that's probably part of the problem is nobody can fathom what 31 trillion dollars is but to break it down that's ninety two thousand dollars per person if you take the whole US or if you just take the taxpayers two hundred and forty five thousand dollars per taxpayer I remember when we, we passed 20 trillion everybody was panicking and nothing much really happened to me and to most people in the world, we're just moving along. So number one, what does this mean? And how come we're not, or are we seeing it? I was gonna say, how come we're not seeing it, but are we seeing it and we're just not realizing it because it's like uh, putting the frog in the uh, boiling pot of water. If you turn that water up slowly, he never hops out and he gets boiled to death. If you throw him in, he hops right out. Is that where we're at? Well, I, I know I gave you a lot there. Or that, yeah, no, that's that's exactly where we're at. And that's why it's so hard to understand where we're at, because people are measuring the system from the system and the the system has an error code. Um, and and so so and this is where it gets complicated for pe people, because everything they measure in all of their actions are measured through that system that requires manipulation of money. It's not just debt, it's manipulation of money. And that debt has to be created out of thin air. So you, you come back to just a, a easy first principle. Technology is deflationary. In our world, that means prices should be falling everywhere as technology automates more and more uh, 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 of the work in the world. And that's on a trend that's exponential. In response to that, global debt has to, has to go up. So you have one exponential trend driving prices down, removing labor, and you have a different opposite exponential trend that has to offset that that deflationary uh, uh, that deflationary technology and rob our time, keeping us on a mouse wheel to move faster and faster and faster to try to 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 have more jobs to keep up with a, a rise of debt that is artificial. that's just manipulating money. So it keeps society paralyzed and it also transfers wealth from the middle class and poor to the rich in doing that. And as a, as a byproduct of that, it, what it means is you have to remove the free market and you have to concentrate all power in very centralized organizations to keep the game going. And that's a global phenomenon. <clears throat> it's a global phenomenon because if you allow deflation to happen from a credit-based system, then, that, then the credit just gets wiped out, but the credit is our system. And so people think that their money is in the bank. It's a credit note in the bank and it keeps on unwinding and the banks fail and every single supply chain fails and everything fails. So the governments actually have no choice to other than to continue to ease. Now, when they do, um, after the after you start having a collapse of credit and joblessness spikes, it, that it, it, we'll see when they do. But, the, but ultimately, with a game we're playing, cannot be solved but from the game we're playing because either you have do two, door number one credit collapse the entire system fails i'm sure no politician is going to vote for credit collapse entire system fails door number two more and more inflation leading to hyperinflation all around the world and so those are the only two solves out of that system and so you need a you need a third door and bitcoin is a third door that's merging and more and more people are, are understanding it. They're building a transitionary path away from the most of the destruction that one, door one and door uh, two, uh, two 
impose on society. So that's what's happening with Bitcoin. It's a new, it's, it's a system outside of the system. And you can't measure the system and people are mismeasuring because they're measuring all of their work through the system and that's being manipulated. So you definitely think that there'll be a time in the not too distant future, I'm not saying next week or next year, but in the future where we are on a to steal a safety and a Moose's thing, a Bitcoin standard, that the whole world is running on a Bitcoin standard, um, I guess, that uh, everything's going to be priced in Bitcoin it's as gonna, far as it, world trade? It's, in, it's inevitable. It, it, it is literally, it, it's, Bitcoin is tied to energy. Energy, it, 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 it drives more energy production. It searches for low cost, uh, low cost uh, energy. It's, tie, it's a tie to energy. It's uh, it did um, that we've never seen bef before, and I have no question that that's what's ha that's what's happening. It, it forms the basis of a new operating system that we haven't seen before. And in that new operating system, the world looks very different, and it heals from the world that we have today, which is essentially based on um, I grant somebody an ability to manipulate my time in labor. Um, and take take my take my time away through inflation, and I and I give somebody the power, and who should have that power over all humans? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone should have that power over anybody. Um, I actually think that Bitcoin can change this world so that that we. Well, the question was for making the statement. So, so the government likes inflation at two percent. So to get back to what you were saying earlier, that's because we're a credit-based society? It, but they, they like it at 2%, but at 125% debt to GDP, 2% isn't enough. It, it cannot pay, it, it turns into, essentially you'll have credit failures at 2%. It has to be higher inflation to get the real debt uh, lower. It, it Mathematically, it has to be. So when they say they like 2%, that's a historic norm to be able to, and it's it's just literally picking your pocket to expand government. It's it, it and and transferring wealth on on the way through because you can't because the credit must continue to grow. But now that credit, where we are in the cycle today, the credit must continue to grow at a way higher rate. There is no product productivity that can pay back the debt. And, and think about what ends up happening with the productivity. So we me we're measuring GDP through this existing system. And then some, something like, you take way more photos today. Um, you take hundreds, thousands of photos today. Digital software that does this, all of this, it's all free. Where's that in the GDP? So that productivity reduces GDP. And it should transfer to us, but it's not transferring to us. It's getting consolidated in the largest companies and, and, and government as a result of printing against a natural pro process that should be freeing our time. So um, great point. So I want to come back to that 2% though, as soon as we come back after these words from our sponsor.
And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, joined today by Jeff Booth from the great book, The Price of Tomorrow. Jeff, I want to go back to that 2% real quick. Uh, that 2% isn't even a real number they say they like to keep it at. I mean, isn't that number manipulated so they can just say it's 2%? And by stealing that 2% or 8% or whatever in the hell they're stealing, aren't they just killing poor people more than anyone else, the people who can afford it the least? So think about what the two, even if the 2%, so yes, it's always manipulated, but even if it was 2% and the natural rate of deflation in a market should be negative 2%, that means they would be stealing 4% a year, but people don't notice the, the, uh, 2% a year. That's why, that's why it's 2% a year, but people start to notice what's happening today with all of the monetary easing, because it needs to be higher otherwise you have a credit collapse is is people start to notice 10% they start to notice the uh, 15% they start to realize wait my food went up by 15% this year and my gas went up by 20% this year yet my my labor didn't go up so i got my pocket picked and and so as they start to realize that they start to rise up and so what you're seeing on the left and right all over in every country is exactly that rising up but all of the, the those people are measuring the system and they think that it can be fixed politically and it can't be fixed politically the the whole political it's just theater because from a system that must debase its currency whether you're a republican or a democrat you're just most of the money is being hidden in inflation and i haven't seen somebody saying i'm going to stop printing and if they said they're going to stop printing then what you would see is an entire credit collapse and, and your way of life would collapse. So, so they have no way out, but it just becomes the, they, it just becomes theater. And that's why Bitcoin is so important because it's it, because every single person on the planet has a way out. Every single person has, uh, and, and they have a friend. Here's a, a way to look at it for a simple way to look at it. If you were an executive at Amazon, from 1995 to 2010, you had a frame of, uh, of, uh, of the world of, wow, this is growing really fast. And, and this is great. If you were an executive at Sears from 1995 to 2010, you had a frame of, oh my God, our whole world's collapsing and then it collapses. Bitcoin is a new frame. And if you have a frame through that frame of reference, what's happening? you're going to see a really exciting world and what and what's to come because you're going to be living in the new frame. If you're living, if you're measuring everything from the old frame that is being distorted, it's going to get really confusing for you. You know, I'm going to go back to a question that I talked to you about in the pre-show. I forgot to ask you earlier. I want to go back to, you know, on the uh, debt of the government, the $30 trillion or whatever, how does Stephanie here, the producer, wanted to know how that related to what countries owed us? And uh, you started to touch on that earlier with me, and I found that interesting, so I want to make sure we covered that. Yeah. So so what you have to today is, and, and how can I get into this in a simple way on the show, but, 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 but when the reserve currency of the world um, is based on manipulation, um, what, effectively, what you have is 
all other currencies. So you have to look at total debt in the world to see what's ha happening because you're going to have moving around of all of these currencies. But what you have is U.S. has to um, have be the purchaser of last resort of the world, and everybody else prices um, prices their their dollars from that from that system. And and they have to be so the the balance China China exports to the U.S. U.S. Um, U.S. runs a trade deficit with, with with China. China has cheap labor. U.S. has expensive uh, more expensive labor. Somebody has to purchase. Somebody has to buy. And that that system can't be fixed from the system of the reserve currency because if the today what's happening with U.S. rates going up, dollar is getting stronger. All of the other uh, uh, currencies are getting weaker and they're failing because they're having to pay back in U.S. denominated loans. So all those businesses with the U.S. denominated loans are racing for dollars and selling whatever assets they have to try to get dollars. The U.S. dollar gets strong, stronger and stronger. As a result, the other currencies are getting weaker and more and more exports or exporting. Uh, essentially, the U.S. gets hollowed out. Their industry gets hollowed out. And the supply chains fracture because those those industries are requiring Chinese parts, um, and so that becomes a it becomes an unfixable problem with a reserve currency that is the currency of uh, of, of the world. Because all over the world, there has to be buyers and sellers that equal the trade balance has to equal zero, and so there is so the world needs a neutral reserve currency to be able to operate. Um, otherwise, you have trade barriers and every single government trying to enact what's best for them in the system. And and what's what you're seeing with energy today is you can print all the money you want, but energy just responds and it goes straight up um, in, in price because you can't print energy. So 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 now you now you have countries that are short energy, and they have fiat dollars trying to trying to print energy. And energy is just going higher and higher and higher, causing massive hardship for their populations. And they can't see that the problem isn't energy. The problem is the fiat units that I'm using can't trick energy. So that's what's happening. Now, I saw the other day that several countries are listed, but China was one of the countries listed that countries now are trying to dump uh, their dollars, I guess, in an attempt to uh, bring down this rise of the dollar against the other currencies? Um, we've only got a few more minutes. To save uh, their own currencies? Yeah, yeah. So they're dumping dollars, yeah. buying so their own currency. <clears throat> yeah, to try to protect their own currencies, because right. as their currencies fail in that country, let's take for example for Japan, if you think about what the inflation rate is moving to in Japan, because they have their short energy and their currency is failing, so, so they're they're trying to they're they're trying to uh, run yield curve control to to keep the whole system in check. But to be able to save that system, they're going to have to they're going to have to sell their treasuries at some point. Um, but but again, all these are short term gaps in a system that uh, that that is fundamentally unstable. All of these things just build more instability into the system, and typically lead to to change of powers, dictators rising in certain countries, because people, it, it's easier to look inside your country and say, it's somebody else's fault. Um, and that leads that leads to revolutions and wars. To, uh, and and that, that's kind of where we are in this cycle. 
and there's no way out of this cycle from the existing system. There's a whole bunch of, oh, it's Japan or it's EU or it's, uh, or it's Italy, it's pro problem. But it, this is a global phenomenon. It's a global phenomenon it's glo that, that is tied to manipulating money. Would, would, um, in the short amount of time we have, which is like a minute, would that be an example of that be after World War I, how in debt, uh, Germany was a debt they couldn't get out of, and that caused Hitler to rise to power? So, so that's exactly what happened. I explained that in my book. But it's actually, if you think about World War One, World War One wasn't solved by World War One. Then it, uh, then World War Two emerged because of that same problem. It's a, it's just an escalation of that problem. It was patched over between Bretton Woods tying gold to uh, fixed money to the U.S. dollar, and then that ended in 1971 when you created the petrodollar system that is currently breaking. So you could say World War One hasn't ended, um, and we could reset the whole thing through World War Three, um, and then start again on the same system. And Bitcoin is a way to avoid the worst of the worst of that. Uh, that that's that's probably the, 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 the same thing is playing out today because of the same thing. Wow. I've never thought about it that far, it's going that far. So I find it amazing that most people have never even, don't even understand the concept of the petrodollar. Myself, they've never heard, the average person has never heard of the petrodollar and doesn't even know what that is. But uh, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor with Jeff, and uh, we'll talk about some more stuff. And I want to go into your book a little bit, which we haven't gone into enough, Jeff, because that is such a great book. So on this next segment, we'll be going into the book a little more, The Price of Tomorrow with Jeff. Jeff Booth. Stay tuned right after this. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Today we're joined by Jeff Booth. Jeff. Thanks again for joining us. Now, before we went to the commercial break, you mentioned that World War One led into World II, which is, and we need World War Three maybe to fix it. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what you said, but that's what I'm. Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't say exactly that. Yeah, no, I know I'm saying it wrong. That's why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, what I described is. Um, Typically, what ends up happening for control of money is is you turn human, you pit humans against humans, um, and it's easier to do that first in your nation. You gain control by pitting one group against another group, um, and then you control the money, and nothing changes. And then because you can't change cha change that, you have to you have to create a bigger evil, and that has to be somebody else's fault. And so just human nature just drives us to believe the narrative that we're in. And that's what's happening today, today, all over the world. And it's, it's a rise out of the existing system is a rise from World War One, because money wasn't fixed. It went into World War Two, it was a bandaid with Bretton Woods. And why I say it was a bandaid is because, because the US ended Bretton Woods or effectively ended Bretton Woods in 71 by going off the gold reserve. And 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 is and and creating a unique way to tie energy to the U.S. dollar with, through oil. World needed oil. U.S. guaranteed military might to protect 
people, uh, nations that sold oil, and but everybody had to transact in U.S. dollars on that oil system. So what that meant for a long time is what it meant is U.S. essentially could print oil for for units of currency, and everybody else had to pay for you uh, for oil, and it gave U.S. A, a, a really strong advantage in global trade, but somebody else had to pay for that disadvantage in global trade. And if you stepped out of that oil-based system, like Venezuela did, or uh, or Iran, uh, or Iraq um, said they were going to do, if you stepped out of, I'm not going to price my dollar U.S. Uh, oil in U.S. dollars, you were either invaded um, or shut out from the economic system of the world. Shutting out from the economic system of the world that had 90-something 90, 90 percent of the, of the trade of the world was very costly for nations. Well, how's that so, going to be so affect the BRICS nations that are going on right now? I mean, aren't they trying to do again? the same thing? So, so, so what's what's happening today is yes, they're trying, but now with the U.S. having to print at a very, very greater rate. Imagine, and I'm not going to say it. I don't want to be political on this at all, whether Putin or, but, but just imagine you have a country and you have oil, uh, oil reserves, and you know that the, the dollars that you're taking the oil reserves in, so it's your, it's your labor, it's your wealth. And I, you know, that the money that you're taking them and must be devalued by 8% a year. And you could take it at 2%, but now that money must be devalued at 8% a year. Would you sell your, your, your natural resources in that money? And so that's what, that's, what's happening today. And, but the same thing you could say, would I sell my labor? Am I going to spend my time on something that's being devalued at that, uh, that rate a year? And so all over the world, people are, are are starting to see the system is is getting worse and worse and worse, and people are turning inwards um, yeah, out of that. Again, again, this is really confusing from the existing system because it's. Have you ever seen that joke? The 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 old fish swims by the the two young fish and says, "How's the water?" And one of the young fish says, "What's water?" Yes, that's the that's that's what's happening today, and all of these conversations are from the water that people don't know they're in, and and so the only way to to really see what's happening is to be from a new new system that's outside of that water, and and then you see the water, you know, if you're not in that system. Hey, yep. we don't have a lot of time left, and I do want to go into because I'm curious about this ego death capital. Now, tell me about this. This is a venture fund, I guess, in Bitcoin companies, or or what is it? Yeah. Uh, so, so what we saw, what, what we saw is a asymmetric bet that now Bitcoin on the primary layer, now with Lightning, Liquid, a whole bunch of different on the secondary, Fetty, whole bunch of different companies were emerging on second and third layers, and this, and and you were going to have Bitcoin be become become the backing effectively a new of a new peer-to-peer -peer internet um and so there was a crazy opportunity to spend your time with the best entrepreneurs building on top of that uh that that ecosystem and i can't believe i get to do it because we we've seen so far uh, if you just want to sense of how fast this industry is moving and what type of talent is in it we've seen we've done diligence on over 320 
uh, companies in this ecosystem. We've announced our first uh, lead on Fetty, um, but we have two others that we're going to be announcing shortly um, and lots of deal flow. Some of the best entrepreneurs that you could imagine building on top of uh, building on top of these rails that are going to, to, to literally change our world and speed the adoption of Bitcoin, the network, um, and 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 tra- and transition to, uh, to the other side. So it's going to bring on a whole. Some of these companies are going to bring on a whole bunch more um, users through adoption. And and one thing, Gary, just really quickly, is we don't typically think about the plumbing of a system. We don't think about the financial system like we're talking about the the existing system. We don't think about the plumbing of Bitcoin. And so trying to explain the plumbing to people, they get confused. And you do a really good job of here bringing people on to understand the plumbing. But that's all you could do before on Bitcoin, teach people the plumbing. What's going to happen pretty soon is the products on top of the plumbing are going to give them use cases that they never saw, that make their world so much easier to use that tie into the plumbing on, on, on Bitcoin. And, and, and so we experience the world through products that make our lives better. And so that's where we're investing. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, there are a lot of startups going on right now. Um, there's a ton of startups going on. Hey, we've only got a couple of minutes left. I wanna make sure and tell people where they can follow you and find out uh, about, about you, keep up with what you're doing, writings, whatever you're doing. Uh, probably just best on Twitter uh, at Jeff Booth on Twitter. Um, I wrote a recent piece on where we were uh, to, to try to help people find. It's called "Finding Signal in a Noisy World." Uh, you can find it on Medium, and it was it was to explain where we were um, in this existing system as a system changed and 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 why it would be confusing from the existing system. So I walked through pretty deep dive on Bitcoin. Uh, the existing system and why it might look like this for the majority of the population. But I think it's a good reference piece for people to, to share. So how long do you think it'll be before people really in mass trenches? I know this is just a number I'm saying here, really start catching on to Bitcoin on the average population. We must be at like 2% of the population right now or some low number. I don't know what the stat is, but do you see a point where all of a sudden it's like that Netscape moment? we only have like a minute left. I'm asking you a long question with a minute. So, so that, so that's what happens. These transitions, you don't see it from the transition. And so it it gets faster and faster and faster. So there's no specific uh, time, but what I would say it for, for other nations, um, technology, tech, technology that makes our lives better has you can't stop it. So, so the, people furthest away from a monopoly move first. So it's totally logical that El Salvador would go first um, because they were furthest away from the money monopoly. Same for people. So this, as a result, is likely going to be the greatest wealth transfer the world has ever seen from rich nations to poor nations because you can't stop it. Technology technology enables the people furthest away from a monopoly and that's what's happening. So you're seeing way faster adoption rate in other countries that need it more. Well, Jeff, I have to agree with you on everything you said on this show. You are a smart man, and I want to recommend your book to everybody out there. Go to Amazon and get um, um, Jeff's book. It's a great book, Price of Tomorrow. Um, Follow him on Twitter. 
Jeff, thanks again for coming on the show and for coming on over to uh, BitBlock Boom this year. I hope we see you next year. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming on, Jeff. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bitcoin Boomer Show. We had a great conversation today with Jeff, and I'm, I'm telling you, get his book, Price of Tomorrow. It's on Amazon. That is a great read, or if you don't have time to read anymore, get it on Audible. That's what I did. I just listened to it. I call it reading, but I listened to it as I drive or drove around. So please get yourself uh, The Price of Tomorrow. It's, it's a great book, I have to say. I also want to thank Stephanie, our producer over here, for her great question today and for being here every week to make sure the show goes smooth. I don't think I give her the thanks and props that she deserves. And I want to thank you for being here, of course. Now, I do want to make sure you know about a few things going on. Number one, make sure that if you're in Texas or maybe even the outlying area or anywhere, make sure you check out BitBlock Barbecue. If you've ever been interested in eating great Texas barbecue and talking Bitcoin with great Bitcoiners, come to BitBlock Barbecue. And that's at bitblockbarbecue.com. You'll have a great time. We host our barbecue meetup once a month, usually the last Friday of the month, the third or last, whatever the weekend is. But check out bitblockbarbecue.com. You heard me mention earlier that Jeff was at my conference. That's BitBlock Boom. That's in Austin, Texas. So please, if you're interested in Bitcoin and you want to talk to great Bitcoiners, check out bitblockboom.com. Should be about 1,500 Bitcoiners there next August in Austin, Texas. It's a great, great event and a great, great time. Three days of hanging out with Bitcoiners. We do want to make sure you know about the book I co-wrote called Bitcoin and the American Dream. It's a book. It takes about an hour and a half to read. It's a great book to read on a flight, but it's a great book to get if you want to help people learn about Bitcoin. That's what it was written for, was to help educate people quickly about the basics in Bitcoin and give them the correct information. So check that out at BitcoinInTheAmericanDream.com. And I do want to thank, again, all the people here at Biz.TV, the BizTV Network, for their work and help on this show here. Now, please do tell your friends about this show. Whether you're listening to the podcast or watching the TV show or the video, please share this with your friends and help us grow the show. The whole goal of the show is just to teach people about Bitcoin. Uh, you're, you're probably not going to be an expert after watching three episodes of this show, but you will know a little bit about Bitcoin, so you won't be surprised when someone says something about Bitcoin. You'll be able to understand a little bit more and know what they're talking about, and maybe Bitcoin won't be quite as scary. So until next week's show, this is Gary Leland, the original Bitcoin boomer, saying thanks for joining me and see you next week.